hello and welcome to a new episode of our Let's Talk Fate podcast series, a podcast where we discuss topics surrounding the controversial subject of vaping every month on our YouTube and Spotify channel. Uh, we are prevention specialists with Helpline Youth Counseling, uh, part of their alcohol and other drug department. Um, and this podcast series is brought to you by Helpline Youth Counseling and uh, Kaiser UCLA uh, Health. Uh, my name is Lauren Graziani. Hi, everyone. My name is Gabriela Morgado. And as I mentioned before, we are from Helpline Youth Counseling, which is a nonprofit organization that seeks to enhance the well-being in youth and their families through counseling, education, and um, the utilization of community resources. Um, if you'd like to follow us on our Instagram, our Instagram handle is aodprevention underscore hyc. Um, on there is where we share um, information about our upcoming events and workshops. Uh, this is also where we will um, promote our upcoming um, podcast episodes. Um, so for those of you that are just listening, if we talk about any graphics or anything, we will link those to our YouTube channel, which is AODPSHYC. Um, I would also like to note before we begin that we are not licensed health professionals. So everything we talk about is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, uh, diagnosis or treatment. So we're only here to share our opinions and our research um, that we have done, and be sure to always seek the advice of your physician or other um, qualified health uh, provider with any questions you may have regarding um, vaping or smoking or treatment for vaping and cigarette addiction. Um, so for this month's episode, we have two special guests from the Compadres Fresh Air podcast series. Um, and we will be discussing the benefits of having a smoke-free policy um, in public areas and college campuses. Um, so I would like to introduce you to Marlene and Rick. Um, so hello, Marlene and Rick. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do? Yeah, well, uh, thank you for having us. You know, this is a pleasure. I'm glad we're able to share this with um, with everyone out there, all your audience, all your listeners. So my name is Ricardo Navarez. I do go by Rick, and I'm the project coordinator for the Compadres for a tobacco-free LA County. Yeah, that's that's a pretty long name. It's a mouthful. And I also work on the Compadres Fresh Air podcast. Marlene? Hi, everyone. Thanks for inviting us, Lauren. Uh, my name is Marlene Marroquin, and I go by Marlene, just Marlene. And I am the Community Engagement Coordinator with the Compadres program. And a little bit about what I do here is I am in charge of the media, except for the podcast. So I do the newsletter, and I manage the social media platforms. And also, the we have a couple of student coalitions on the different campuses that we work with. So I also oversee that. Wow, that really makes me seem like I don't do anything because all I said I was the, <laughs> is that I'm the project coordinator. You started listing all these things down. <laughs> I, I do Maybe something. I, I know I do something. <laughs> I know I do something. Trust me, I do something. <laughs> no, I'm sure you do. But I do want to ask you guys, um, I know that Compadres played an integral part in Cerritos College adoption of a smoke-free campus um, policy. Could you tell us a little bit more about why you took um, on this project and like basically the implementation process? Yes, uh, we did have a part in it, but I do wanna say that it wasn't only us here at the Compadres program. It was also with the help of the Falcon 
Fresh Air Peer Advocates at Cerritos College. That's the student coalition. And they've, they came together to help the campus become smoke and tobacco free. And that's through some campus activities. And those are like educational activities, tabling events on campus, and or even passing out some flyers, presenting in some of the classrooms, letting other students and also staff and faculty know about the benefits of a smoke-free campus. So along with them, we were there to provide that support. You know, we, we helped them in anything that they needed. We helped them with those presentations, with technical assistance. We also helped in the development of some signage. So they ended up getting some signs and putting up, up putting those up throughout the campus. But there were some other events and um, activities that took place too that helped um, adopt that policy. So with the, I'm gonna say FAPAs, they're FAPAs for short. And so with the FAPAs, uh, it was just um, an ob obvious kind of thing we needed to do, right? It's, you need to go smoke and tobacco free, especially at these college campuses. And to your knowledge, um, were there any smoking policies on Cerritos College um, prior to this uh, smoking free policy? Yeah, there wasn't any specific uh, policy in place, just the normal California no smoking policy, which is you can't smoke within 20 feet of any government building. And that was pretty much it, but it did include e-cigarettes. E so no and smoking or vaping. And they did have designated smoking areas. So as far as, far as their smoking policy, it it did allow for smoking on campus in designated areas. And those designated areas were in places where you did have that uh, walk through traffic. So whether students, staff, faculty uh, were on campus, they may have uh, uh, come across these designated areas. And also those uh, visitors, they do have a child development center. Um, and so there were some parents and some children that were also being affected by those that were smoking. And as far as our policy goes, uh, you know, I just wanna say it did allow some smoking on campus. And I'm sorry, Rick, I don't know if you mentioned this, what year was this that you started working on this project? So we began working with them in 2019. And it was, and the project uh, is, is grant funded from the state to help community colleges uh, adopt this smoke and tobacco free policy. So it's totally free for the campuses. Our services are free, no charge. And we began working with Cerritos College because they were a, a Latino and Hispanic serving institute in LA County. A majority of their students were uh, of Hispanic or Latino um, identity. And so we began in 2019 with them. One of the first things that we did was reach out to the Student Health uh, Services Center. And we were able to get in contact with somebody that assisted us in the manner of uh, helping reach out to some students that were interested and that were passionate enough to actually want to make a difference on campus, making it uh, healthier and uh, better for everyone on campus. And as 
we progressed in our activities, in our in the events, in the educational material distribution. We ended up actually, I guess we could say we ended up making um, an impact because the Board of Trustees did end up passing a policy in April of 2020. Oh, that's amazing. But I have another question. Were there any barriers uh, you guys faced uh, with getting this policy adopted? Like, was there any pushback from students or faculty while implementing the policy? Well, there's definitely a bunch of barriers. I got to just say that. There's a, a whole lot. And but one of the main ones is the lack of knowledge from those that did not want a policy on campus. Anytime we go on campus, we want to educate the community. We want to educate the students, staff, faculty. Anyone that's on campus is, is a stakeholder and we want to make sure that they are included. So one of the first steps is getting them involved. And from the get-go, you can tell that some people did not know that there was a need for it, were unaware that smoking is really a problem, didn't know how it affects you. Also, we're not aware of the dangers that vaping devices um, cause and all the different health effects that these different products have, including uh, smokeless, so like chew, right? Yeah. And even these other products that are going out there, what is it like nicotine toothpicks, nicotine water, the little mouth pack, uh, pouches with nicotine in them. So I can say that one of the biggest barriers was educating and and really answering all those questions that uh, everyone had. So whether you know, whether it was from the types of products to the health effects to the environmental impact, we were there and we tried to answer every question that they had. And after that, we still came across some other barriers, and those were uh, not being allowed on campus to do some events. Yes. Sometimes oh, wow. we weren't allowed, right? And then there were other times where one of the barriers was just the buy-in from some of the students. Sometimes they couldn't, some, some of the students that weren't part of the FAPAs uh, couldn't partici participate in some of the events, uh, were on their way to class, were on their way home or leaving class, going to work. So just really trying to engage them was kind of hard, right? And I would say that that's one of those barriers, but I'm sure, I don't know, Marlene, do you have any other barriers? I know we've, we've gone to a few campuses and they're fairly the same. So, you know, what do you have uh, on your mind? What I was going to say, wasn't the veteran group a major group to push back against the policy? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And the reason for that was, because the veterans group was a significant group on campus that did smoke. And when I say they, they did, I would say that a majority uh, or a significant amount of them were smoking. And one of the reasons, and there could be various reasons, some of the reasons we were told were that it helps them with their PTSD. It helps them with their pain. It helps them relax. And it helps them, right? So when, when they believe that it helps them, it's very difficult to really persuade someone uh, or, or convince them 
or or trick them into knowing that it's not helpful, right? We can't do that. We have to educate them. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not trying to convince anyone uh, against their will to, to believe what we're saying or the messages or the marketing or the information and all those promotional items that we hand out. I really want them to know it, understand it, and learn it so then they can pass on that information to someone else. So with the veterans group, it was difficult, but I think over time, some students um, were, uh, were helpful enough that the policy did get passed, right, without much of an issue. I think it's really important to identify which groups are creating barriers when you create a policy because you want to work with them too. You want to know what issues they have so that you're addressing them when you make the policy. So the veterans group did have, you know, a problem with it, but that's why it's just so much more important to make these policies so that we can create also any programs that need to address these groups like uh, cessation programs or any other resources. So sometimes it's good to have barriers because we know what, what they need. You know what I mean? I like that approach that you guys took taking other people's like uh, concerns and being able to not only help them with those concerns, but also educating them while doing like a community service for um, the whole campus. So like, that's amazing. So kind of along with that um, and education where when new students or new faculty join the campus um, or attend the campus, are they um, educated on this uh, policy um, or how do they become aware of this, that there is no smoking? There's, there's signage, I know, but is there anything that you know of in terms of like introducing um, new students and new faculty to this policy? Well, the policy was implemented while everybody was gone because of COVID. So there wasn't a chance for a lot of information to be given to the students. So when they came back to campus, they just saw the signs like no smoking. So they just I hope they just realize, okay, you can't smoke, but then also not, the students are not back 100%. So they'll get the majority of the information when they come back in fall 2022. So we really haven't had the chance to give that information, but we are trying to work with the campus to possibly um, host and organize an event that will just give out that information out to everybody. And a little suggestion, you know how when you enter college, they do an orientation, maybe um, that can be like a, just a suggestion for you guys. I don't know how difficult it will be with like, you know, like thousands of students, but maybe during, during orientation while they're enrolling, you guys can come in or um, there can be like PowerPoint or whatever. It can be like a module for them to complete or like a step for them to enroll in their classes. I was going to mention orientation in the way that <laughs> through orientation, uh, and you know, you can get it right on the dot, right? But I was going to mention that it's in it's in their handbooks. So, you know, the student handbooks. So when students do come for orientation or where they when they first come onto campus, it's that that whole package of all that information that they receive. So in student handbooks, the smoking policy is in there and it is available for them to read. So they be, they can become aware. And just like Marlene mentioned, once you come onto campus, 
you'll notice the signage letting everyone know that there's absolutely no smoking of any kind. And, and, I, and I believe that's the actual language in there. Absolutely no smoking of any kind, um, which includes um, anything combustible and also electronic devices. And besides that, there's the FAPA program that's still on campus, and we are still going strong with, uh, with Kimberly leading the way over there with those students. And we're still continuing to do some educational uh, activities there on campus as well. So is there like a fine or like, uh, like in a, any penalties or like an infraction of any sort? Like let's say someone were to be smoking, um, what would happen to them? The primary enforcement is just education. There isn't any fine or any kind of negative repercussions, but it's just education with an emphasis on cessation programs. Yeah, you know, the whole point of this is not to not to find people, not to penalize them, not to punish them, right? And we're glad that at least the education component is in this policy because when people do violate the policy, it's something that affects everyone else. It's not only affecting their own health or, or their own body or in that three inches circumference around them, right? The, the, you know, around themselves. No, there's no force field around them. This, when I say this, it's smoking or vaping and even chew because uh, some people do spit that out on the ground and others do walk on it, step on it. And, you know, it's fairly gross, but it's, um, it's important to really educate everyone especially because, as I mentioned previously, not many really know the importance of a, a fresh air, a clean air, a healthier type of uh, habit. And smoking is definitely not one of those. So hopefully it works. It looks like it's working. When we go on campus, I haven't seen anyone smoking. And we've been on campus a few times in the past month, right? So um, it looks like it's working. I can say that. Um, so I know that you um, kind of just mentioned some benefits of having a smoke-free policy, but is there any other um, benefits you can think of um, of having a smoke-free policy on college campuses and public areas? Yeah, so apart from reducing the tobacco waste, there's a lot of other benefits such as your health boosting. So that's everybody's health, the smoker, and then the one that's just passing by smelling it. So uh, we already know that there's cancer is linked by smoking it and also just by smelling it. So there's a lot of uh, health benefits that go into it. And then also just preparing students for success and having a smoke-free policy implemented now on, in community colleges will set up students for any other colleges that they plan to transfer to, four-year universities. We already know that UCs and Cal States, they're 100% smoke-free, including e-cigarettes. And also for the workforce, because a lot of those places, majority if not all are also 100% smoke-free. And like I said before, having policies in place create resources for those who need it. Those benefits are great. I also was thinking that another benefit is kind of just influencing others. Um, I feel like college students are very impressionable if they 
they like to try to fit in and stuff. So I feel like if they see others smoking, they might be more um, likely to also start smoking. So I think that's another benefit of having a smoke-free um, policy. I know you just mentioned that um, UC and Cal State um, schools are um, no smoking policy. They all have uh, no smoking policies. But what about um, other colleges in the US? Do you think that a majority of them have some sort of um, smoke-free um, policy? Yeah, so I would say that, yes, a majority, if not a, a really a significant amount, uh, do have a smoke-free policy. And so we've already mentioned UC's Cal States. That's in California. Our program mainly revolves around California, so I don't have the actual data regarding the rest of this, uh, the nation, but many of the private universities also have a smoke-free policy. And when, um, when you think about that, think that uh, elementaries, elementary schools have a smoke-free policy. Middle schools have a smoke-free policy. High schools have a smoke-free policy. UCs, Cal States have a smoke-free policy. Uh, uh, private universities, many do. And then there's other trade schools that also have smoke-free policies. But yet, community colleges don't have a... Um, and a, one policy that covers all of them in California. So um, there's still work to be done, but we're glad that many of the campuses do have an actual smoking policy. That, and, and, and we're still working and we're still helping some of these adopt and include electronic smoking devices. Because e-cigarettes are still new, uh, not many people are aware of the of the dangers on those products and or there's not much data readily available as the hundreds or what is it almost 100 years of smoking or tobacco data that we have but we're glad that at least there is something to help us move this policy along at community colleges yeah if we're talking about just community colleges here in california it's 60 percent of 110 colleges that are smoke-free. The other ones, I think just 1% has no, no type of policy. And then the others have some form, just designated smoking areas or smoking in the walkways, only the parking lots, but just 60% are 100% smoke-free, including. And do you guys have like a, I guess like a next campus that you guys are trying to um, enforce this policy or, or like kind of like what's, what school do you guys plan on? Um, targeting next yeah yeah and um just want to clarify we're not enforcing any policy hey you know we're helping Sorry. and we're supporting yeah. i just you know i just wanted to let people know that mm -hmm. it's we're here to support we're here to help those campuses adopt that policy and just um as we've mentioned that cerritos college has uh, education as part of as a component as part of their mm -hmm. enforcement um tactic then it's up to other colleges to really figure that out but we're here to help them figure that out we're here to provide some guidance provide some assistance provide some experience some expert uh information and also um we're working on some of the policies with some of the colleges to hopefully get those adopted soon but to answer your question we're working with currently we're working with Mount SAC, that's Mount, Antonio, Mount San Antonio College, and 
then we're working with Rio Hondo College. And then we, we haven't yet had any boots on the ground at LA Southwest or LA Trade Tech College, but we're hoping soon that we can have a physical presence there. It's been difficult, especially with COVID changing so many things up on people. Um, I'm glad that we were still able to hold on to those student coalitions that are at these other colleges I mentioned. And I'll just give them a shout out at Mount San Antonio College. There's the FAM, that's the Fresh Air Mounties Student Coalition. What's up, Tomas? <laughs> and then there's also um, at Rio Hondo College, it's the FAR Student Coalition. That's F-A-A-R, that's Fresh Air at Rio Student Coalition. And uh, there's uh, Michael and Priscilla still leading the way over there. And, and, and I want to say again, uh, Kimberly with the FAPAs at Cerritos College. So hopefully soon we can develop some student coalitions at LA Southwest and LA Trade Tech. Wow, that's amazing. You guys are doing a lot, it seems like, in that realm. Um, so because you have all this experience, do you have any advice for those that are looking to um, support um, smoke-free policies in either college campuses or um, public areas? I have advice to give to anyone who's thinking about adopting a policy. It's to... Number one, think of your goal, the end game, which is the health of everybody, the health of the one who's smoking, the health of the one who's not smoking and who's living in the presence of tobacco. And if you keep that in mind, then the goal is just to eliminate smoking altogether, if you can for that campus. Because once you start thinking about other things and you start um, making it easier for loopholes and just probably allowing smoking, even though you're trying not to. So it's just keep that, keep that goal in your head. Yeah. She, she highlights um, a big part of everything we're doing. It's the end game. It's about making it healthier for everyone. It's about people's health. It's not necessarily telling people what to do. Right. So I would say that another thing that we learned along the way is you have to, and I don't want to say take your time, but don't go so fast. Don't try to rush through it. What we found is in trying to help all five colleges all at the same time, we've, we're spread thin. You know, we're not able to fully support every every campus 100%. So what we found is make sure that we do plan out our schedule of events, make sure we do look at the campus calendars to see what events they have scheduled and coordinate our efforts so we can also be inclusive in their whatever it is, if it's a, a student welcome event, if it's a uh, appreciation event on campus, if it's a educational or um, health resource um, fair at their campus, we want to be able to at least make a presence and share whatever we have. So don't, don't go so fast. And, and <laughs> I don't want to say, you know, don't or slow down, but don't go so fast, plan it out, coordinate, have a strategy and include people. 
we can't do it ourselves and we're not here to do it ourselves. We're here to support. So be mindful of staff, faculty and students on campus and include them in the process as well. What you'll learn is who to talk to, who's, who's a supporter, who's going to be a champion, who will not support and who's against it, who may help, you know, who's interested? Has this even happened on campus before? What have they done in the past? What are their current plans? What are they planning to do in the future? So you'll learn a lot by including everyone that's involved. Everyone's a stakeholder. And there's nothing, yeah, there is nothing wrong with a, a challenge or an obstacle. What's wrong is not knowing them. So ask people, uh, really find out what's the problem, what's the issue, and then educate those that aren't aware. And hopefully you can turn those obstacles into a success, turn those challenges into a, a, an improvement, right? As Marlene mentioned, have the end goal in mind, include everyone and plan out a strategy and don't go so fast. Don't rush. Um, that's what I got to say. <laughs> that's some great advice. That's, yeah, very great advice. Actually, the advice on including people and getting just kind of like their attitudes. I feel like before you even begin with like the implementation process of the policy, getting their uh, thoughts, their feelings on um, on implementing this policy and um, how that can direct you further to avoid barriers and um, pushback, I guess, from uh, students and faculty on college campuses. Oh yeah, uh, people on campus, they, they have their motivations. They have their reasons why, whether it's a family member that passed away or has died because of, of smoking or one of the illnesses that smoking has caused, whether it's their children that are struggling from with asthma and because they live in a, a multi-unit housing that the neighbors smoke in, whether it's small children coming onto campus where there's a child development center and then they're smoking and asking their parents, hey, I want one of those because they see someone smoking. Everyone has a reason. And once again, we're here to help. We're here to support. And I don't mind stepping back and you know, I don't have to take credit for everything. It's really about the goal here. And it's making sure that the campus is healthier. I, I gave that example earlier where every other educational institution has a smoking policy, yet community colleges are one that just has been left out. And, and the reasons for that are not because the California Community College um, chancellor's office doesn't want it. They, they actually sent out a memo back in 2018 that encouraged all campuses to adopt a smoke-free policy. But because of the politics and because of the, um, each district's um, way of governing, then it's up to the district to be able to adopt that. So it's not similar to where all Cal States or UCs are all in the same, what do you call it, same group where a policy that gets implemented is at the board level and then now it covers every campus. Unfortunately, with community colleges, it's not that way. And every district is responsible for making their own policies. 
And then with all that being said that, you know, every um, community college is at its own district, uh, what do you think the future of smoke-free policies on college campuses and public areas will look like in the U.S.? Um, do you think, now that you mentioned that uh, recently the chancellor passed a memo that he's encouraging um, implementing smoke-free policies, do you think we're going to be seeing that more throughout colleges or will it be a little more difficult? You think they'll be um, more challenging in certain campuses and others? I can, well, I think that more campuses are going to be 100% smoke-free. I can't say, you know, which district might implement them faster, or what their barriers are, but eventually I feel like they're going to jump on the wagon because every year there are more and more colleges going smoke-free. I don't see any, you know, taking back their policies, knock on wood, <laughs> but um yeah, I, I feel like more and more places are going, are going to be 100% smoke-free, especially with the uh, 2035 tobacco endgame goal set for California. So that's basically trying to make California 100% smoke-free by 2035. It's pretty ambitious, but if that's the goal, I know that we're going to see more and more places go tobacco-free, at least for California for sure. But after that, more places in the U.S. will too, for sure. Yeah, and there are more policies being introduced to in the federal level. I don't know if you guys heard, but the FDA, I believe they like recommended the ban on menthol cigarettes or, yeah, I uh, about that. or items. So yeah, it'll get there. Well, it seems like you guys, well, you guys have done uh, great work and you guys are continuing to do great work um, in this area. Um, do you guys have any final um, thoughts, advice, anything else you want to share before we wrap it up? Well, change will come. Change is on, is on its way at the federal level, at the uh, county level, at the state level, campus level, at every level. Change is coming. We see it. Don't give up. Keep at it. It does take time, but like they say about um, success, uh, it's just about getting started and keeping going, right? We can't give up and pretty soon we'll notice a community that is concerned about the health of others, making it fresh, clean, and just a great place to be in. That's great, that sounds amazing. Um, so thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Um, I do want to shout out your podcast. Um, so uh, Compadres Fresh Air podcast, where can you find it uh, for our listeners, Rick? Where can they find it? You can find it everywhere. I'm surprised you haven't seen it already. <laughs> you can find us uh, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. And also, if you want to stream it from the from our website, you can go to our website, and that's compadreslac.org forward slash podcast. Well, I'll say that once again for everybody, compadreslac.org forward slash podcast, and then you'll be able to stream it there without having to use another app or any other platform. All right. Our uh, social media on Instagram, they can follow us at Compadres Fresh Air Podcast on Instagram. And then uh, even our program, just our program in general, it's Compadres LAC on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. 
if y'all still using Facebook, <laughs> it's compadres uh, underscore LAC. Well, thank you guys. Um, and thank you to all of our listeners um, to for tuning in to this month's episode. Um, we will be posting another episode next month on our YouTube and Spotify channel. Um, again, thank you, Marlene and Rick, for joining us and giving us all that uh, great information. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, our Instagram, Instagram handle is aodprevention underscore HYC. Um, we will promote our uh, new podcast episodes on there as well.